Welcome, and thank you for joining the Cass County Health Department HealthCast. Our HealthCast is here to bring discussion and awareness to the services that we offer here at the Health Department, as well as ongoing and current issues in women's health. I'm Hillary Kelly, and I'm here with Ali Yokish and Louise Yale. We're all health educators here at the Health Department. So with that introduction, why don't we just jump right in? So on today's HealthCast, we are going to be talking about osteoporosis. So May is National Osteoporosis Awareness and Prevention Month. And it is an important subject to speak about since probably not a lot of people know about this disease. So it is a very important topic for especially women because it does affect them to a greater extent than men. Men can get it too, but it is more commonly seen in women. Um, osteoporosis affects all races, but white and Asian women, especially older women who are post-menopause, are at the greatest risk. Um, about 54 million Americans have osteoporosis and low bone mass. Um, this places them at an increased risk for osteoporosis. So studies suggest that approximately one in two women, so 50% of women and up to one in four men at age 50 and older, will break a bone due to osteoporosis. That's a high number. So, what exactly is osteoporosis? Yeah, so again, not many people probably know what osteoporosis is. So, osteoporosis means porous bone or bones with holes in them. So, osteoporosis is a bone disease that occurs when the body loses too much bone, makes too little bone, or both of it. Um, this occurs when bones lose minerals, such as the calcium, uh, more quickly than the body can replace it. So if you were to take a look under like a microscope of a bone, healthy bone looks like a honeycomb, but when osteoporosis occurs, the holes in the spaces in that honeycomb are much larger than in like a healthy bone. So with these larger holes and spaces, this causes the bone to be less, have less density, less mass, um, and contain abnormal tissue, uh, an abnormal tissue structure. So as bones become less dense, they weaken and become brittle, so brittle that even like a fall or even mild stressors, such as like bending over or coughing, can cause a fracture. So it's oh, pretty, dang. pretty significant there. So um, if you think about it a little bit more, bone is formed by specialized cells, kind of getting more into the science of it. Um, like the rest of the body, bone is constantly being broken down and renewed, kind of like our cells. Um, it is a living tissue that needs exercise to gain strength, just like muscle does. So in the early years of life, more bone is made than is broken down, resulting in bone growth, of course. So by the end of your teens, bone growth has been completed, and by about 25 to 30 years of age, peak bone mass is achieved. Okay. That doesn't mean you can't, you know, help prevent that. Right. But So certain things can cause bone to be more brittle. So like sex hormones, such as like estrogen and testosterone, have a fundamental role in maintaining bone strength in both men and women. The fall in estrogen that occurs like during menopause results in accelerated bone loss. So that's why you see more women having or occurring. So like during the first five years after menopause, the average woman loses up to 10% of her total bone mass, which wow. is quite a yeah, that's quite a bit that's for a sure. Lot. Yeah. So fractures of the spine caused by osteoporosis can lead to like pain, loss of height, and changes in posture, such as that Dowager's hump. You know, you kind of see that when yeah. you're humped over a little bit and kind of that formed on that upper back. Right. Um, this hump is caused when like spinal fractures are compressed due to the force of gravity, um, which is resulting in like abnormal bending forward of the spine called kyphosis. 
There are typically no symptoms in the early stages of bone loss for osteoporosis, but once your bones have been weakened by osteoporosis, you might have signs and symptoms that could include back pain caused by a fractured or collapsed vertebrae, loss of height over time, a stooped posture, a bone that breaks much more easily than expected. So these are just the most common symptoms that you can have with osteoporosis. Osteoporosis can sneak up on you, and it's often even called the silent disease because one can't feel bones weakening. Breaking a bone is often the first sign of osteoporosis, or a patient may notice that he or she is getting shorter or their upper back is curving forward. If you are experiencing height loss or your spine is curving, be sure to consult your doctor or healthcare professional immediately because it's very important that we get this taken care of and your health is very important. Yes. So there are a number of risk factors that can increase the likelihood of developing osteoporosis, some which you can and some which you cannot change. So some risk factors for osteoporosis that are out of your control include your sex, Women are much more likely to develop osteoporosis than men due to, you know, changes in our hormones. Age, the older you get, the greater risk of osteoporosis because your body's starting to kind of deteriorate a little bit more. Um, Race, race is a big one. You're at greater risk of osteoporosis if you're white or of Asian descent. You have family history. You know, having a parent or sibling with osteoporosis puts you at greater risk, especially if your mother or, father or mother or father fractured a hip. And then your body frame size. So men and women who have a small body frame tend to have a higher risk because they just don't have as much bone mass to draw from from as, as they age. So larger body mass, you're going to be a little bit better ri- or better chance of not developing it. And then you've got some different other things such as hormone levels. So Osteoporosis is more common in people who have too much or too little of a certain hormone in their body. So an example would include like your sex hormones. So lowered sex hormones tend to weaken bones. The fall of like estrogen levels in women after menopause is one of the biggest and strongest risk factors for developing osteoporosis. So early menopause um, before the age of 45 puts you at even greater risk because again, just of those changing estrogen levels. So Treatments for like prostate cancer as well can reduce testosterone levels in men and also treatments of breast cancer can reduce uh, estrogen levels in women which are more likely to accelerate that bone loss. And then you got individuals like that have a loss of menstrual period um, especially if it's associated with um, you know reduced production of estrogen which is vital again for healthy bones so like the menstrual cycle can cease following you know excessive dieting and exercise or those at younger age or kind of really at any age if you're putting a lot of stress on your body there um then you have thyroid problems um too much thyroid hormone can cause a bone loss um this can occur if your thyroid is overactive or if you take too much thyroid hormone medication to treat an underactive thyroid and then you have other glands. So osteoporosis has been associated with overactive parathyroid and adrenal glands as well. So your diet can also impact osteoporosis. Osteoporosis is more likely to occur in people who have a low calcium intake. A lifelong, of, a lifelong lack of calcium plays a role in the development of osteoporosis. Low calcium intake contributes to diminished diminished bone density, early bone loss, and increased risk of fractures. Eating disorders, severely restricting food intake, and being underweight weakens your bone in both men and women. Gastrointestinal surgery. Surgery to reduce the size of your stomach or remove parts of the intestine limits the amount of surface area available to absorb nutrients, including calcium. 
These surgeries include those to help lose weight or other gastrointestinal disorders. And then next we have steroids and other medications. Long-term use of oral or injective corticosteroid steroid. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> corticosteroid. There we go. Put those words in there. I know. Big words there. Um, such as prednisone, cortisone. Um, those interfere with bone rebuilding process, which is really important. We need our bones to rebuild. Yes. Osteoporosis has been associated with medications used to combat or prevent seizures, gastric reflux, cancer, transplant, and rejection. So there are some certain medical conditions as well that put you at a greater risk of osteoporosis, um, especially with certain medical conditions that you might not, you know, try to achieve or try to, you know, get over. So some of these big ones are like, you know, digestive diseases, such as like celiac disease, inflammatory bowel disease, and then weight loss surgery, which Allie just talked about, like those gastrointestinal surgeries that, you know, reduce the size of your stomach or help you to uh, lose uh, body weight. Um, you also have like endocrine and hormonal disease, which is the big one because of those hormones that, you know, fluctuate. You have like diabetes, hypothyroidism, um, Cushing syndrome, which is too much cortisol for like a long period of time that can fluctuate your sex hormones. And then just varying levels of sex hormones based on you know menopause or just other diseases that might happen. You have certain cancers, like we talked about earlier, like breast and prostate cancer. So treatment with that can change your sex hormones. Um, you also have blood and bone marrow diseases. Um, this is called multiple myeloma. Um, they can change that as well, especially because they're focused on the bone there. Um, autoimmune disease like rheumatoid arthritis, lupus, multiple sclerosis, and then other diseases and conditions such as like chronic kidney and liver disease, AIDS, COPD, organ transplants, scoliosis, and even polio, which you don't see as often now, but for those older folks that might have gone through that time period, you'll see that polio affects. So now most of these risk factors are somewhat out of your control, especially if you develop a disease or illness that even if you're trying to prevent osteoporosis, um, it just comes about because you're trying to, you know, you're trying to treat that disease and make yourself feel better. So then when your body is like fighting that disease as well and have to take medications to make yourself feel better or well, it's not on your mind to try and focus on bone health. You know, that's kind of the last thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So some of these things you really cannot predict and prevent for bone loss and the potential development of osteoporosis. But here are some other lifestyle choices that you can that can cause osteoporosis that you should be aware of that you can do to prevent uh, osteoporosis. So some of these lifestyle choices, such as bad habits, can increase your risk of osteoporosis. So examples can include a sedentary lifestyle. So people who spend a lot of time sitting have a higher risk of osteoporosis than they do if they were more active. Any weight-bearing exercise and activities that promotes balance and good posture are going to be beneficial for your bones, such as walking, running, jumping, dancing, or weightlifting uh, have particular, are particularly helpful. Um, excessive alcohol consumption is also a risk factor. Um, regular consumption of two or more alcoholic drinks a day increases the risk again. Tobacco use is also one. It's a lot for a lot of other um, prevention there. The exact role tobacco plays isn't really clear, but it has been shown that tobacco use contributes to weak bones. And then poor diet. If you have an inadequate amount of dietary calcium along with low levels of vitamin D in your diet, then you'll have a low bone density as well. Calcium is the main mineral that bone is created from, and vitamin D helps to open channels into that bloodstream in order for calcium to get into the bones. So 
Such things as like caffeine intake of more than three cups of coffee or equivalent per day will deter the process as well from inadequate bone development, um, causing low bone density. And then again, if you're not getting a good amount of dairy, protein, you know, vegetables and fruits that have those vitamins, calcium and vitamin D, and then not getting enough sunshine, you know, that's going to help your, that's going to be choices or bad habits that are going to put you at a greater risk. You know, I saw a really interesting thing on the uh, White House moonshot when I was watching that oh, for colorectal yeah. cancer, but they talk about what you were saying earlier, the sedentary lifestyles and how mm-hmm. while tobacco use is always going to be on every risk factor list, list oh, yeah. you know, out yeah, there, for sure. less people are smoking, but it's bringing a rise to these cancers or these diseases connected to sedentary lifestyles. Mm-hmm. Oh, so yeah. now that seems to be a big, big, big one on the lifestyle list, you know, because maybe you don't Being smoke, active. but, yeah. you know, you sedentary, still have to get out what's there. What's the thing? Sedentary exercise, you know, sedentary lifestyle is contributes to Super everything. dangerous. Like yes. I said, you're not, you're not putting your body under stress. You're not allowing mm-hmm. proper blood flow. Yeah. Um, you know, that you're not allowing for just your body to move, you know, and that's going to put a lot of stress on your cells because they're not developing correctly. They're not recreating. They're not regrowing. So yeah, any kind of illness is like, you know, being active can help for sure. Even just going for a walk, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It be, like, full-on run or weightlifting. No, like, everyone's, yeah, everyone's different of what their activity, you know, is. I know people have, you know, certain limitations, Yeah, especially when they get older, but right. it's never too late to start exercising. Like you said, yeah. walking or biking yeah. or even having, like, a, a Something stationary like. bike at swimming. home. Swimming like. is a, a great one because yeah. you're not as weight-bearing, especially you have a swimming lot of, great. of joint issues and mm-hmm. stuff, so... Just doing something is going to be better than nothing for sure. So then, Hillary, can you answer the question, can your doctor diagnose you with osteoporosis? Uh, So currently, the most reliable way to diagnose osteoporosis is to measure the bone density with a dual energy scan called a DEXA scan, D-X-A. It stands for something long and (laughs) sciencey. So (laughs) long and sciencey that we can't really pronounce. So your doctor knows what it is. He knows what he's looking for, and he's going to explain it, you know, to Mm -hmm. you in a way that makes complete perfect sense. So a DEXA scan is a short, painless scan that measures the density of your bones. So usually at the hip in the spine, and in some cases, in the forearm. Mm -hmm. So you can't apply for a Medicaid rebate for a DEXA scan if you have previously been diagnosed with osteoporosis, if you've had one or more fractures due to osteoporosis, um, if you're aged 70 years or older, or if you have a chronic condition, like including rheumatoid arthritis, like celiac disease, liver disease, um, or if you have used corticosteroids for a long time. So your doctor will be able to tell you whether you fit the criteria to receive the Medicare rebate, but it is possible to have a DEXA scan perform if you do not fit the criteria for the rebate. However, there will usually be an out-of-pocket associated with the scan. Yeah, and then I think it's getting more prevalent that they're just automatically yep. screening women after menopause, you know, right. especially because they know the science behind it. Yeah, or, I mean, or else if you, you know, the symptoms you might have right. distinguished earlier, you know, you're, you're so it's going to be definitely a more regular screening that women will probably see for sure, or if men. Which are the odds are fifty percent? You know, yes. one in two women. Like let's yeah. let's make sure. Yeah, exactly. You know? Because if you can catch it early, if you, I mean, even see they see a little bit of bone loss, you can do yeah. things to maintain that bone that you already have. Um, you know, like I said earlier, your bone 
peak kind of maxes out at like 25 to 30 years old, but there's ways you can maintain that bone yeah, still and right. prevent further loss. So it wouldn't be surprising to me, especially, you know, as women get older after menopause that they'll just do it regularly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So next we're going to talk about prevention of osteoporosis. So from a young age, both men and women can take a bunch of steps to prevent osteoporosis. They can do this by making sure that they have a healthy and varied diet with plenty of fresh fruit, vegetables, and whole grains. All the yummy stuff. Mm -hmm. Eat a calcium-rich diet. Absorb enough vitamin D. Avoid smoking, which I know can be hard. Mm -hmm. Limit your alcohol consumption, which is also hard, especially around, like, your early 20s, 20s. Yeah, you're kind of in that age where you just want to. Yeah. Limit your caffeine, which I know I have an issue with. I love my coffee. Mm-hmm. And then do a regular weight-bearing and strength training activity. Mm-hmm. So, like, calcium-rich diet, just to kind of piggyback off what you're saying. Like, yeah. calcium-rich diet and osteoporosis. So, like, enjoying a healthy, balanced diet with a variety of foods and an adequate intake of calcium is a vital step for building mm-hmm. and maintaining strong and healthy bones. Mm-hmm. So if there's not enough calcium in your blood, your body will take the calcium from your bones. So you have to make sure that you have enough calcium in your diet. It's important to preserve your bone density. And the danger there is because you don't know your body's doing this. You can't feel it. It's not like you go, oh, I feel. Yeah, Right. Like sometimes, you you know, other diseases you can feel like something's off. Yeah, you can tell you're not well. You know, you're feeling it. But, you know, it's recommended that the average American adult consumes 1,000 milligrams of calcium every day. That's a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It is, but it's totally doable. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, postmenopausal women and men aged 50 to 70 are recommended to have 1,000 to t- uh, 1,200 milligrams. And those people over 70 are recommended to have 1,200 milligrams of calcium every day. So it increases as you get older. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Because, I mean, your body's going to start using those stores faster than what people in that age range are yeah. typically able to uh, replenish. Yeah, and, and that age group, too, you know, you're... Your appetite kind of changes too. You yes, don't see you as many. You require less. Yeah, you require less. Maybe you're not as active, mm-hmm. but also you just, your appetite doesn't, you don't feel like same. eating. Yeah. So no, it's not the same. And then other issues like if you're lactose intolerant or yeah. you know, just can't handle dairy. Food sensitivities so, yeah. and so allergies. There's, there's a lot of different things that contribute as you get older. For sure. And kids, like depending on their age, they will need up to 1,300, 1,300 mm-hmm. milligrams of calcium every day. So I think most people, you know, with little ones or around little kids, you know, milk, milk, milk. Mm-hmm. Milk at school, milk, milk, milk all day. So, you know, yeah. it's very common. Children typically become accustomed to drinking milk early on, which is best. Mm-hmm. You know, I know I had picky eaters and they didn't want milk. You know, some of them took milk. Some of them were really resistant. Yeah. But I would rather that they like milk now mm-hmm. than never, ever liking milk again, you know, because it seems to be one way or the other. Right, I feel like right. Like, I was not given milk as a kid, and I don't <laughs> like milk now. Mm-hmm. I don't so, really like milk either. Yeah. You know, my nine-year-old will, like, get a big, tall glass of cold milk, and it's, like, refreshing and comforting mm-hmm. to her. Mm-hmm. I couldn't choke it down mm-hmm. for anything. <laughs> so, like, what, like, I just what don't could drink. you do for these kids that um, are lactose intolerant? You know, like, we talked about that a little bit, but, like, mm-hmm. if calcium so sure. important. They can have supplemental yeah. vitamins for that. Um, you know, milk is the big is a big known yeah. source. It's easy to get into kids. Um, dairy is the same. Like kids love cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I mean, but there's lots of other dairy yogurt. Yeah, cheese. right. And they just can't have those things. So their bodies right. aren't agreeing with it. But there are supplemental ways 
of making sure that they hit that calcium mark, mm-hmm. you know, and be certain of it. Yeah. So like we just said, you know, dairy foods have the highest levels of calcium, but there's other sources of the calcium, including like sardines, spinach, dark leafy greens, almonds, soy products like tofu and fortified products like orange juice. Mm-hmm. So if you're not able to get enough calcium from your diet alone, you can talk to your doctor or your health professional, you know, your PCP about calcium supplements. Yeah. So there's options out there. Yeah, there's plenty of options. So that's one good thing about um, just staying connected and making sure you're getting the info from your doctor. So like vitamin D and osteoporosis, um, vitamin D and calcium promote the bone density. So we're yes. talking about things that work in conjunction. Mm-hmm. With the calcium. So vitamin D is important because it helps your body absorb the calcium in your yeah. diet. So you got to get it in and you got to keep it in. Yeah. So we obtain most of our vitamin D from the sun and there are recommendations for the amount of safe sun exposure for sufficient vitamin D production. So depending on your skin type, your geographical location in the season yeah, is going to kind of fluctuate a little bit. Yeah, yeah, right. So you can also find vitamin D in smaller quantities in foods like Fatty fish, like the salmon and the herring and the mackerel, are some examples of fatty fish. Liver, eggs, and fortified foods such as low-fat milks and cereal. Mm -hmm. So for most people, it's really unlikely that adequate quantities of vitamin D will be obtained through their diet alone. Um, Talk with your health professional about vitamin D supplements. So if you're concerned that you're not getting enough vitamin D, it's best to go talk about a supplement. Yeah. Um, you can have those levels tested mm-hmm. in your blood work. Um, if it's low enough, you'll notice you will feel that. Yeah, vitamin you know? D makes a difference, too, in your energy levels yes. along with vitamin B. So For you sure. might, like I said, if you're feeling low energy, they might, they're might they probably going to test both. And then they're going to see, yeah, if there's low levels there. Yes, so along with getting adequate amount of calcium and vitamin D in your diet, exercise is a great way to prevent osteoporosis. So weight-bearing exercises encourage bone density and improves balance, so falls are definitely reduced. Um, it does not treat established osteoporosis, but it can help to, to prevent any further bone loss for sure. So exercise helps with increasing blood throw, blood flow sorry, throughout the body and to the muscles, which most of the time are on top of the bone. So with exercise, blood flows increase, which send appropriate nutrients to open up channels for the right nutrients to get into the bones in order to maintain or increase that bone density. So, of course, consult your doctor before starting an, a new exercise program, especially if you never haven't done one or you've been, you know, lapsing for a while. And especially if you've been really sedentary or you are over 75 years of age or have any different medical conditions because they might affect their, especially like diabetes and cancers. So some of the general recommendations are that you want to choose weight-bearing activities, activities such as like brisk walking, um, jogging, you can do tennis, netball, or dancing. Um, while non-weight-bearing exercises such as swimming and cycling are excellent for other health benefits, um, they do not promote bone growth because they're not as weight-bearing. You're not putting as much strain on your muscles and yeah. your bones. So You want to include, you know, if you can, depending on your age and your abilities, you want to include some high-impact exercise into your routine as well, such as like jumping or rope skipping, you know, something that's going to be a little bit harder in that routine. Again, consult your health professional. High-impact exercises may not be suitable for all, but or especially if you have joint problems or other medical conditions, but 
something that you can add if you're able to. And again, strength training or resistance training is also very important, probably one of the more important things for bone health. So it involves resistance being applied to muscles to develop and maintain muscular strength, muscular endurance, and mass. Importantly for osteoporosis prevention and management, strength training can maintain or even improve bone mineral density. Like we said earlier, it helps to open up channels to get recommended nutrients into your bones. So um, be guided by a health or fitness professional, such as an exercise physiologist or a personal trainer who is certified. Um, They can recommend specific exercise and techniques so you're staying safe when you're doing those weight-bearing exercises. Some other activities that promote muscle strength and especially balance and coordination are things like Tai Chi, um, Pilates, or even some gentle yoga. Um, These are important because they help to focus on balance exercises, which help prevent falls. Um, They improve your balance, muscle strength, and posture over time. So again, with like, you know, your spine, you see a lot of people that are kind of humped over. If you do these exercises, they're going to help with posture to make sure you're sitting more upright definitely improve the um, core exercise or the core strength so yeah. you have that better posture there. And, it's, again, especially with balance. That's, I think, one of the biggest things is people yeah. lose their balance, you know, or have balance issues as they get older, which, you know, it's causes falls. And that's the biggest thing that you see with fractures and right. stuff. So, yes. so a mixture of weight-bearing and strength training sessions throughout the week is ideal. So you want to try and aim for, you know, 30 to 40 minutes – Again, depending on your ability, four to six times a week. And again, depending on where you're starting at to um, focus on weight-bearing and strength training exercise for that bone growth um, and just have a regular and variety of different things throughout the the week there. So, Allie, what are some different lifestyle changes to help protect against osteoporosis? Yeah, there's actually a lot of things that you can do to help protect yourself against osteoporosis. Now, again, you're going to want to talk to your doctor, but in general, these recommendations or lifestyle changes can include stopping smoking. Smokers have a lower bone density than non-smokers. Get some sun. You Mm. can expose yourself to the sun every day, even just for a little bit, to make sure you get uh, enough vitamin D production. Mm Mm-hmm. Drink some alcohol in moderation, and moderation's the big word. Yes, 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 for sure. If at all. I mean, you don't have to drink alcohol if you don't want to. Yeah. But excessive alcohol consumption increases the risk of osteoporosis. Drink no more than two standard drinks per day and have at least two uh, alcohol-free days per week. Not bad. No. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Definitely doable. Yes. Limit caffeinated drinks. Excessive caffeine can affect the amount of calcium that our body absorbs. Drink no more than two or three cups per day of cola, tea, or coffee, which I love my coffee, but I try and limit myself to one <laughs> iced coffee a day and one hot coffee yep, a day. So, yep, you yep. know, not bad. It's easy. Right, right, yeah, for And sure. then management of osteoporosis. If you have osteoporosis, the strategies listed to prevent osteoporosis will help manage the condition, but you also may need to consider safer exercise options to improve your muscle strength. Fall prevention, that's a big one. So this includes, like Louise said, increasing your balance and posture. Yep. And then medication. Yep. So as Allie mentioned earlier, um, for the management of osteoporosis, safer exercise options are um, key for that. So if you have osteoporosis, the risk of fracture or breaks with high-intensity exercise or poorly performed 
strength training can outweigh the bone building benefits of these exercises. So the best approach is to have an exercise program put together specifically for you by a physiotherapist or an exercise physiologist that knows the disease and is able to kind of, you know, fluctuate and, you know, change things up if you need to based on this. So this program may include more like modified strength training exercises, um, weight-bearing exercises such as just walking um, compared to like, you know, like we said, jumping, right. um, gentle exercises that focus more on posture and balance such as yoga, Pilates, and Tai Chi until maybe you build up that strength and get a little bit more, you know, bone density or, you know, have a little bit better balance and fluctuation there. So other things to focus on if you have osteoporosis is fall prevention. That is kind of the biggest, one of the biggest keys with osteoporosis. So a third of people aged over 65 years or older fall every year, and 6% of those falls lead to a fracture. So, you know, I think it's yeah. more more prevalent than 6%, but, yeah. I know. you know, it, yeah. it's, it seems like every time you hear some, uh, an older individual falling, it's it ends up with a fracture, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So, um, so reducing the risk of falls is very important. So... You know, again, by guided by your doctor, some general recommendations include, you know, perform exercise to improve your balance as prescribed, you know, by your, you know, your trainer or physical therapist or exercise physiologist. Be more conscious about how and where you are walking. I think this is kind of a key. So, you know, we get so busy sometimes that we don't focus on where we're actually walking and we might run into something or yeah. trip on something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people just get in a hurry and not thinking about, you know, picking up their feet or stepping over something. So just being more conscious about how you're walking and yeah. where you're walking, I think is really key. So um, if you have prescription glasses, make sure you wear them as directed by your opt- optician so you are able to see better. Because again, if you can't see, you don't know where you're going and you, you know, could trip. Mm-hmm. Um, trip proof your home. So, for example, you want might want to remove loose rugs, install handrails in like the shower or the bathrooms. Um, make sure all rooms are well lit so you're able to see. You know, different things that might be a trip hazard. Um, different people like occupational therapists can help with this as well. Um, you want to wear sturdy, flat-heeled shoes that fit <clears throat> properly. So again, they're not slipping off your feet and you're you know tripping over your own shoes. And then consider wearing, you know, if it's getting to a point where you really have a, you know, it's a big prevalence of osteoporosis, you might want to consider wearing a hip protector. This is a shield worn over the hip that is designated to spread the impact of a fall away from the hip bone and into the surrounding, like, fat and muscle area. So if worn correctly, a hip protector can reduce the risk of a hip fracture, which a hip fracture is probably the most prevalent and most detrimental yeah. fracture that most people can have if they have osteoporosis because then you have to have surgery more yeah. than likely and then you're pretty well debilitated kind of after that depending on it's yeah. difficult to recover yeah. it's from. very difficult to recover i know my my grandmother had a hip fracture and she had to have surgery and she yeah. was not able to walk afterwards and then she was yep. having to be in a nursing home for the rest of her life until unfortunately she passed, you know, yeah. so it, it just, it can be really detrimental and it can mm-hmm. cause a lot of downhill movement and after that. We're going through this in my family too, because I, and I think the one thing that is, a, you know, as family members who are caring for people in this age range, yeah. you know, they don't, a lot of these things are associated with a loss of independence for them. Yeah. They don't want to, you know, put the, like, grips on the stairs. Right. They want to go up and right. down the stairs. Yeah, they think know. they're losing their independence. Right. You know, I, um, you know, my grandparents are in their mid-90s. Yeah. So they're still living at home together mm-hmm. on their own. 
So some of these, and he did fall, and he did fracture his hip. Yeah. But he's at home. Well, that's and, good. And, you know, so it's kind of like we have had to work really hard to get their primary care providers into the conversation mm-hmm. and integrate the information as well. Okay. Because it's difficult to just, you know. Yeah, yeah. Have them take that information in and go, yep. For sure. Yeah. I'm okay. going to do that today. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. They have not done it. They don't yeah. want to. Yeah. So, so there's, I mean, there's a wide variety of things you can do to prevent, you know, falls and stuff. So it's just a matter of what, like you said, you want to take the safety of the person into consideration the biggest, you know. And, and I know sometimes, like you said, they're, they feel like they're losing their independence. Mm-hmm. But it's their safety, you know. You're helping to prevent them from having a major, you know, injury that can put them in a down, you know, downward spiral. So we don't obviously you don't want that at all. So I think just trying to help a person understand that this is just for their best interest is is key for sure. Yes. So when we talk about, you know, we know how osteoporosis works somewhat here. So the next step typically for people is treatments and medications and you know the next step that you go through with your doctor. So you know, we know we've got diet changes, we've got lifestyle changes that can be made to help out. Um, but in some cases, and in a lot of cases, the doctor might say that it's time for you to use some medication. So mm-hmm. there are commonly used medications. They all have various side effects. And you know, so yeah. if you're prescribed these meds, you know, you're weighing out risks and benefits type of thing here. But mm-hmm. um Biophosphonates are usually the first choice for treatment. So bone cells are treated and broken down into a constant cycle. Yeah. So these encouraged bone density. So they slowed it down, that breakdown process, and they're commonly used to treat osteoporosis in men and women. So these medications are incorporated into the bone, and the effects are long-lasting. So um, that's probably going to be the first Mm -hmm. route that's the most common you see yeah yeah you might see other types of things so there's selective estrogen receptor modulators another fancy medical word so for sites in the female body called estrogen receptors they respond to the hormone estrogen of course Mm -hmm. so what you're basically doing here is mimicking the action of the estrogen so you're trying to reduce this bone loss um you can also use prolia. It's twice yearly injection given under the skin. So it breaks down, slows the breakdown of the bone, which is essentially what you're going to keep seeing in the medications. Yeah. You're A lot of medicine. slow. Yeah. You know, we're not ever going to be able to say we're going to regenerate what's mm-hmm. lost. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the big thing with the osteoporosis. But you can kind of try to slow it down. Yeah, or maintain what you have. Yeah, yeah, maintain what you've got. So there's testosterone therapy. There's parathyroid hormone mm-hmm. hormone therapy. So like going back to what we said about the hormones and the sex hormones and having an effect on this disease throughout the course of your life and how you're affected. So when you do a hormone therapy, you're essentially just trying to put a replacement in yeah. order. Yeah. Um, more menopausal hormone therapy. Again, you know we're kind of circling back to these same these yeah. similar groupings and the purpose of these hormones in your life. So. Mm-hmm. Um, again, they all have side effects, but you know, it's, it's just, it's there to kind of help you bring a little bit of, uh, quality, yeah. you know, to the life that you're living when you're in this age group, if in when that's, you're affected by osteoporosis. So, um, if you have osteoporosis, it's never too late to seek a treatment. No. So oh, of course not. yeah, you can always go. 
So as age is one of the main risk factors of osteoporosis and the breaks. So that just, you know, kind of circles us back again to the fall risk and just the risk associated with having osteoporosis in, in the mm-hmm. fall in your bones. So treatment can halt the bone loss, reduce the risk factors, but it's important that your doctor excludes other medical conditions that can cause osteoporosis as well, including a vitamin D deficiency. Right. So, so again, I think it's just more quality of life, especially when you get to yes. a certain age and just understanding. Well, feel good. Yeah. You know? You know, and again, if you're, if you are experiencing other diseases or illnesses or ailments, you know, obviously that's, Right. The main thing you want to you try weigh it all out. And, yeah, weigh it all out, and and again, you know, your doctor or your physician will really understand what your medical condition is, so you can really have a best treatment plan with him. Mm-hmm. So that's all we have for today, and we hope that this healthcast has been informative and helpful to our listeners. We bring information to you to educate and enlighten the public on the importance of various health concerns and topics that would be beneficial to the improvement of health and well-being for our community. Funding for this podcast was provided in whole or in part by the Illinois Department of Public Health, the Office of Women's Health. The Cass County HealthCast is a project of the Cass County Health Department in Cass County, Illinois. Information given in today's podcast is not the personal opinions or views of those speaking and is information gathered and distributed for the sole purpose of health education and promotion. If you have any questions or you would like to suggest a topic, please call the Cass County Health Department at 217 217- and ask for Louise or Hillary. Also, you can visit us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And we have a website, so you can visit us online at www.cascohealth.org. So thank you for listening, and until next time, stay well.